in three, two, one, kick it off, man. Today is nimbus. It is a noun, a cloud, aura, atmosphere, etc., surrounding a person or thing. Francois, it appears to me that your nimbus is moist. I would love to put my nimbus all over your face. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Close the damn door, man. You're letting all the Wi-Fi out. <laughs> our sponsor of the day, our sponsor of the day, is uh, Lone Pint Brewery out of Magnolia, Texas. They make one of my favorite beers, and it is called Yellow Rose. But today, I've got a little bit of their six six seven. Uh, neighbor of the Beast IPA, and it's not bad. It's not a punch you in the mouth IPA, but it's good. Is it all over your face, kid? Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh man! And once again, throwing a shout out to my people over at HTO, the delicious mango, half mango, half unsweet tea. Uh, mixture that I get in the large cup. I still haven't uh, gotten it down to where I want the styrofoam cup. I go for the plastic cup because I use it for four days afterwards. Helps me gauge how much water I'm drinking because I know that uh, two full 16 ounce, 16.7 ounce bottles of water will fit in there nicely with a little bit of room. So I love it. Love it. You know how I know I'm I'm getting enough water? The color of my pee. The color of your pee. You know, I've noticed uh, something crazy about ever since I started drinking more water. I'm 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 clocking in at at a minimum 60 ounces a day now because I'm keeping track. Before it was like maybe a bottle of water, which is 16 ounces. The rest would be coffee, tea, or soda. And according to my urologist, if it's got caffeine, it's not the liquid that your kidneys need. Yeah. Or sorry, if it has caffeine. Yeah. Yeah, I've cut down. I used to be a three, on on a minimum three cup of coffee a day. And uh, I've cut down to one at most. um, Some days I don't drink any coffee and I haven't drank uh, Coke in in years i disagree with it it disagrees with me i don't think it is made for your bodily consumption um it's probably the least healthy thing you can drink other than you know i don't know drink methamphetamines if you could do that that'd probably be worse i mean coke in moderation isn't bad because it's going to help you it's going to help something somewhere but if you're having three or four of those bad boys a day that's not good yeah, chugging down monsters left and right all morning Ooh. just to kind of get you up. That's I've never gotten into the to the monsters and and all that stuff. I tried one once and I was like, this is disgusting. I don't think 
this is going to agree with any part of my body. My amoebas that control me like I'm like a, uh, a meat puppet are not going to like this. Yeah, I used to drink the uh, the white monster, which I used to refer to as the chinchilla, the crack in the chinchilla neck in the morning with Tom. Uh, I would have two of those a day. Good and uh, yeah, and I wondered how come I couldn't sleep. Uh, so, you know, I'd be up till about two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I'm just tossing and turning, staring at the little uh, dots in my ceiling, wondering to, how come I can't out, sleep. Trying to figure out why your your eyelids are fluttering throughout the day when you're trying to have a normal conversation with somebody. Yeah, you know, I'd get uh, Richard Feynman uh, earwigs in my head and I'd start <laughs> extrapolating data from patterns on the ceiling. Uh, you know, that quantum sounds kind of fun. Quantum theory and uh, super nuisance mechanics, things that like re- that. That reminds me of my 20s. It sounds a lot like uh, never. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, man, you know, we're, we're going to go off the script today. Uh, I've, I've been working through kidney stones and hence having to go to the urologist. So anybody listening, make sure you're getting 60 ounces of water, sans caffeine, uh, liquid without caffeine equals goodness for your kidneys. Yeah. You got to take care of those kidneys, man. They break down after a while. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it was crazy too. Cause about, uh, Three months ago, I worked on a project at work where I had to bring in a new set of dialysis machines. And so I didn't, I mean, I knew what a dialysis machine was, but I didn't know the intricacies and how you get to that point. And the the uh, director, the nurse director that schooled me on what it does and how it does it, it was like one of those scared straight things. She asked me straight up, how much, how much alcohol do you drink? What kind of sodas are you drinking? She's just like, I, I can look at you and tell that you don't drink enough water. She's what? Like, yeah, she's like, I've been doing this for 30 some odd She'd years. have a field day with me. <laughs> and she's just like, moderation. Make sure you get plenty of water. Stop drinking so much alcohol. I was like, I don't, I don't really drink. I was like, my beverage of choice used to be beer, but since I found out about my allergies, like it's zero beer for me. I might have some liquor here and there, um, you know, but no. Yeah, you're not no a heavy beer. drinker. No, well, I mean, I used to be. I used to get uh, a little stupid, but um, you get know. Turn. <laughs> Uh, but those days are long gone and, you know, I don't want to, it takes a long time to recover from those hangovers now. It it does me anymore. It does. And, you know, I, I think we're going to come out of COVID with all kinds of people having so many problems (laughs) because you've got, you've got, I keep seeing on Facebook or whatever, or different, different websites I go to is mental health. Like all of a sudden. Oh Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm seeing mental health stuff all over the place, and I'm starting to think, maybe I don't have good mental health because COVID's done a number on me. Um, I, my uh, alcohol consumption has gone up a little more than it probably ought to, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, on the, I'm on the backing off stage, you know, trying to get uh, to some more normalcy. But I think we're going to have a lot of people come out of COVID on antidepressants, man. Oh, I think it's going to be uh, – you know, it, it... – 
hopefully that's not the case. But yes, I agree with you 100% on that. I think that uh, people, because they have so much time to themselves now, and because uh, because a varying number of things, people maybe have taken a little bit too much time to look inside and be like, ooh, I'm a I'm a bad human being. Right. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've made some really, really, uh, questionable decisions in my life. And, uh, now it's, uh, what do I do with that? Who do I talk to? How do I get this back? There's something to be said for introspection throughout different points in your life. But if you look too deep into the cave, brother, it's dark. Oh, so, uh, you know, the, the thing that, that brings me out of any kind of, uh, darkness is to consider, outside of myself beyond me you know what how how are others doing how can i benefit others how can i be a servant how can i um how can i try to follow uh the the uh, the christian path as close as my fallacy of a human being can do right or if you're buddhist how do you follow you know we're all flawed so just just find that that spiritual nature outside of yourself and try and move in that direction if you move internally dude it it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to recover so what was the last thing you did for yourself the last nice thing you did for yourself and then maybe the last nice thing you did for somebody that was or wasn't a family member i i i held the door open for several people walking out of uh Hero Martial Arts here in Spring, Texas. My kid belt tested today, went to brown belt. Oh, nice. Went to brown belt. I don't think he quite has brown belt skills because his balance sucks. Um, But he passed the test, you know, they they gave him the belt. It's cool. Um, That's, uh, I I really, I really like, I'm going to plug Hero Martial Arts here in Spring, Texas. If any of our listeners are in Spring, those people are very positive minded, very teaching oriented um it's it's a really cool place so he belt tested and i held the door open for about 15 people walking out the door because nice. i was like my son's standing here i want to be a good example for him i want him to i want him to hold the door open for for folks as he grows up and see that as you know something a gentleman does and not just for for women and children i held the door open for entire families that were walking out and so that might be the closest thing I've done nice for somebody else other than just try and give them a positive word or a, a little jokey message to lighten their day. And uh, I don't do a whole lot of nice things for myself. I don't guess. I mean, I, sh- I shaved the flyaway hairs off my beard today and I felt pretty dope after that. So, Okay, well, that's something. Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a pretty man. You know, I'm a good looking guy. So you just got to keep that on point. so you say you held the door open for people and that's you know that's a great quality to have but when you do that for somebody are you doing it to are you doing it for the acknowledgement of others to say hey thank you for holding the door open for me are you just like i'm doing this because I want to do this for you. There's no congratulatory celebrations or any, you know, hand handguns, pew, 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 none of that going <laughs> off for you and no. you open doors for people. No, I do plenty of things that 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 uh, I do for handguns in, in in my head, 
you know. <laughs> um, but I don't hold doors open for people because of that. It's just the way I was raised. My grandma, my mom, my dad. Um, that that's just what you do. I you know I grew up in kind of a southern area, and and that's part of being a being a a gentleman. And not not that I think I'm a gentleman. Uh, I think you know me well enough to know that I certainly am not. Uh, but it's it's just part of courtesy. I don't really care whether they recognize that I've held the door open for them. I don't even like it when they thank me. It makes me uncomfortable if someone thanks me for opening a door. It's like, of course I'm opening this door. I'm a, I'm a human. I'm just trying to treat another human respectfully. And I'm I'm sure I told you this story before, but uh, I'm going to tell everyone that might be listening. So I have a theory on chivalry and <clears throat> how it came to be. Uh, I've, I haven't done any research, but it's just my um, my devil's advocate always, you know, tries to come out and argue with the nice the nice part of the chivalry. Right. So. Uh, for me, I tend to hold doors open or let someone go out before me, especially if I'm in an elevator. Um, the elevator doors open. I hold my hand out to let others out. And this is going to sound terrible, but just in case there's somebody on the other side waiting to punch somebody <laughs> in the face, they're going to catch it first. Uh, I'll, I'll hold that door open for you so you can walk through and you can catch one in the stones, you hey, know. <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with self-preservation you gotta you've got to preserve yourself for your family um you're you're the you're the breadwinner or i don't know maybe your wife makes more but they at least you're important to them so yeah you don't want to walk out there and and there's some crazy axe murderer with a, a you know a skin mask on his face you know killing people you gotta yeah, check exactly. it out exactly. it's just safety safety yeah. 101 baby and so, like the chivalry, uh, uh, you know, uh, according to most, began in the the era of the knight and the kings and so on. And so, <laughs> I'm thinking that you know these these knights or these chiv- chivalrous persons, they were doing these nice things because if an enemy was on the other side of whatever that they were doing for this damsel, well, guess what, baby, I'm gonna be here better you than me, you know. See? All I heard just now, uh, and I think that's an interesting theory, but all I heard was you're a racist because what you implied is only the white British people were chivalrous. And well, that's I, the I think from chivalry. my understanding, that's where it came from. Like <laughs> so, the Knights so, of the Round Table was like, oh, we got a code, chivalrous. You're about to let somebody go through the door, or you're gonna let somebody go through the gate. They're gonna catch it in the neck, so, not you, my friend. So, so the Incas had no no concept of chivalry. The uh, the sure. African community had no concept of. chivalry. I will say for the Aztec people, <laughs> their their notions of chivalry was to make sure that the most virgin of virgins was <laughs> sacrificed at the table as they drank their hot chocolate. That is uh, the weirdest concept to me. Um, Zulu in, nation. In, I'm not sure what they yeah, had going on. Who you knows? know. It's it's so it's always strange to me to look back in history and I'm not a history buff but I I really enjoy um, watching History Channel stuff and reading about history and it seems so odd to me that at some point in human civilization people thought hey you know what would make our crops grow let's let's murder a virgin 
I don't understand the connection. Well, so let's let's um, you know, not that I'm a, a hard hitting uh, Bible scholar, but uh, in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice the most important thing to uh, God in order to you know. Um, either be bestowed on forgiveness or uh, just to let God know that you were first and foremost the absolute most important thing. So uh, that concept right throughout time is let's take our most precious and valuable of possessions, which is a a female unit that provides more life, right? this this female, only females can get pregnant unless you watch Junior, and Arnold is uh, about to deliver this baby, <laughs> right? So you're taking something that is the most precious thing in the world to them, to everywhere, and let's sacrifice it to the gods to, you know, be granted plentiful of the fruits that we are planting. So I mean, if we're if we're going biblical here, um, if you if you look up, I mean, in Prover in Proverbs it says, and Proverbs is uh, Old Testament, if I'm not mistaken, says to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And of course, you know there was there was the Old Testament um, scripture where was who was it? Was it Saul? Was it Paul? It was Saul. It was Saul that was sacrificing his son. Yeah. Right. And I think as far as biblically, the concept of sacrifice somewhat to some degree ended there. And it was still practiced in um, in the Hebrew Jewish community until Christ came and said, hey, this is this is not the way this is something you guys have. Yeah. Man, man has messed this up. <laughs> not only, not only should you probably not sacrifice stuff. That's not what God's looking for. But hey, you can eat swine. It's good. Have some bacon. It's fine. You're, you'll be okay. God's not going to smite you for eating that bacon. Well, who knows? I'm just going biblical text right now. Um, because I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, uh, this tick that is biting hunters and fishermen <clears throat> in the southern part of uh, where we live, actually, uh, all from here to Tuscaloosa, I believe. So you get bit by this tick out in the wild, and uh, it will begin to make you uh, sick to your stomach after eating a uh, pig and um, it's, it's pretty crazy, man. It's, uh, that is. Ticks are messed out. up, man. Those, you get yeah. you some Rocky Mountain fever. I got messed up in a swarm of ticks, uh, several years ago. I was out hunting with my, uh, dad and we were out in this cattle land and he was trying to flush some quail so I could shoot. No. Yeah. I think it was quail. He was trying to flush some quail. And so I kind of leaned into a tall patch of grass to kind of hide myself so I could pop up and shoot him as they flew by. And I probably spent an hour there. And once we got back in the pickup, I looked down and my entire waistline was covered in ticks. My ankles oh. were covered in ticks. I sat in, in that pickup as we drove back to camp and I probably pulled off 80 ticks. Wow. And the fun part about uh, ticks, um, and I didn't get sick or anything, 
which was miraculous. But the fun part about ticks is that bite itches for a month. It itches so bad you'd almost rather take a lighter and set that part of your skin on fire because it feels better than that tick bite. It itches so, so bad. Yeah, I don't want to get tick bites. Yeah, I'm against ticks. I'm against 80 tick bites for darn sure. One or two I can handle, but that was a rough day. Oh, uh, oh man. So <laughs> when when you go out to hunt, what what is it that you're like? Are you just going out there to be like, I need to get away from everything? Or are you going out there to because you enjoy the hunter gatherer does it bring out some sort of primal uh instinct in your brain so something triggered when you get this freak fresh sweet smell of nature it's it's several things for me because i grew up <clears throat> in a a heavily wooded area outside of a small town um a it's a communion with the guys I'm with, whether it's my dad, which I, I value because he's getting up there in years and he's got a lot of knowledge that uh, I get to absorb, probably not retain, but absorb um, um, around Thanksgiving. I'm going to go have a hunt with a couple buddies of mine. Um, and so I get to commune with them and have a good time and hang out and maybe do bonfire and cook some meat over a grill. Right. But it's also, to some degree, being in, in nature for a prolonged period of time is kind of like, kind of my church because I'm in God's creation, right? I'm experiencing it firsthand. I'm seeing – you see the world from a different perspective if you spend a week in, in the woods, right? Um, and so it's a, it's a communion with God for me as well because – all the, you know, we live in around Houston and it's, it's mainly, you know, suburb life or city life and, and it's noisy and it's compact and it's anxiety driven and there's traffic and, you know, there's, there's all those things about city life that kind of wear down on my soul at times. And so, Hey, yeah, I need to get away. I need to get away and be by myself or maybe only around two or three other people so that I can clear some some space in my head and have some positive thoughts and, and regroup and rebuild my spirit. Uh, but it's also a communion with God to me because I'm I'm out there in his land, right? His or her land, whatever, however you feel about God. I don't think God has a sex, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting to experience that. I'm getting to look at the stars, listen to the coyotes howl at night, watch a bonfire, um, hunt and 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 have the uh you know i don't want to say it's a sense of pride because i don't i don't go out there and have a sense of pride whenever i kill uh food it's uh but it is a sense of accomplishment where you're like okay i've done something positive and i've i've and i hate this word that a lot of hunters these days use where they say i harvested meat i think it sounds dumb but you've, you've harvested some food for you and your family. You go through the process of skinning it. You go through the process of butchering it, bagging it, figuring out how you want to cook it. Um, it's, so it's, a, it's an entire – the process itself is enjoyable. And 
and not only that, whether I'm fishing or whether I'm hunting, it's just fun. Shooting a gun is fun. I don't care who you are. Once you learn the safety of shooting a, a, a firearm and uh, the mechanism and the, the proper way to use it, it's it's fun to go bang. It's like, hey, I want that meat that's way over there. Let me shoot that. Or if you're fishing, that's spiritual probably to me even on a greater level because you're you're watching the flow of water like watching the flow of time. And uh, once that fish hits that hook, you get that snap, man. That's a that's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, I will say that I've I've never been hunting, uh, but I've done quite a bit of fishing, and that is it is something uh, something primal does begin to take over when you're reeling in that fish. Um, and it's yeah, unique. It's crazy. There's not another feeling like that that you can acquire where you're at absolute peace with just being in the moment. And then all of a sudden it's game time. Bam. Yeah. I was just telling someone the other day about, um, using your, I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts not too long ago about using that, um, using the different energy, uh, that you get, you know, the nervous energy that you begin to feel, um, how to learn how to rein that in so that you're no longer nervous as in, uh, afraid cause your fight or flight kicks in. Uh, you begin to use it to your advantage in something that you get excited for. You right. begin to get that rush of adrenaline as opposed to the queasy feeling in your stomach, like you're going to vomit. Um, and, and you know, they say that a lot of athletes know how to trigger that. In, and it all starts with your breathing, apparently. How you breathe right before whatever it is you're going to do that's giving you anxiety or that's giving you that feeling in your stomach, like something's about to go down. If you can program your brain to begin to breathe in a controlled motion, you can change that to where that sick turns into uh, adrenaline to where now you are the prey as opposed, or I'm sorry, you're the predator now as opposed to being the prey and uh, pupils begin to dilate. You, uh, your, your characters turn, but you know, of course it takes time to learn how to do that. You have to practice it continuously. Yeah. I kind of get what you're saying. I've had, you know, uh, it's the difference between anxiety and, um, and energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've had, we've all had tough conversations with family members or people we work with. And, um, there have been times where I've had somebody on the other side being aggressive or hostile or their anxiety is showing. Right. And for some reason, when someone else has anxiety, I go into that mode of, naturally kind of taking deeper breaths and triggering um, more of an intellectual state than an anxious or emotional state to a point, right? Because we all have our triggers. So if someone with a lot of anxiety is, is, is um, verbally or emotionally demolishing you, then at some point you're going to trigger over and you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to meet 
that level of anxiety that they have. But I've had several moments in life where everyone else around me was freaking out and that made me the most calm I've ever been. And I was able to think clearly and find a solution uh, to whatever the problem was. Uh, And I'm not really sure that I have ever thought that there was a way to make that happen or, or breathe to control that. It's just been something natural that's happened um, at different times. Right. And so you have to, you have to be mindful of what's going on, right? Cause it takes practice. You have to uh, realize that there's a trigger. You have to then uh, find it, recognize it, and then either harness it or continue to, um, you know, succumb to that pattern because right. if you can't recognize it. You don't know that it's there. And uh, it's just a, a great quote that I read earlier this week was from uh, Roel Dionico, which I asked him on Twitter if he wouldn't mind joining us on our podcast. So hopefully I can make that happen. But uh, he had a little cartoon uh, Oh. I'm, It was either a cartoon or like a little quote with a cartoon, but it was like, when you die, you don't know that you're dead. The only the only people that know that you're dead are the people that are are, that miss you. They're the only ones that recognize that you've died. And it's the same thing with being stupid. You don't know that you're stupid. It's (laughs) only the people around you that know because you know, your perception is your reality. You, you can, you can't go beyond your level of comprehension if you don't allow yourself to step outside of that. I can say that's gospel because I've had a lot of times where I was stupid and I had to have other people rein me in and I, it's hard to rein me in once I'm stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Daily, man. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's so you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Probably my favorite experience to kind of having that kind of Zen-like moment while others around me were losing their stuff was uh, we had come back from church and we went over to my folks house um, where we were living at the time because I had a house in Chicago I couldn't sell and uh, my folks were away for the week. And we came in, and I'm like, okay, kids, go upstairs, you know, you know, brush your teeth, do all that stuff. And my wife and kids ran down the stairs. They're like, there's smoke. There's a fire. And they were freaking out. Everyone was super emotional. Oh, there's a fire. We're gonna, the whole place is going to burn down. And I just kind of stood at the bottom of the stairs and looked up, and I hit this Zen moment. And I said, okay, well, why don't you all get out of the house? Go out into the front yard. Because I just don't need that energy right now. I have to go solve this problem. And so I walked upstairs like it's not like I ran upstairs fast like an action figure. I just walked upstairs normally looking around. I'm like, this smoke is a lot. It's coming from somewhere. Let me check all the rooms. And I went into my uh, parents' bathroom and I saw the weirdest thing in the world. Their bathroom um, I don't toilet. Know Oh, okay. I don't know. No, you... <laughs> no, 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 no. Their, their toilet so seat was on fire. Crazy. <laughs> no, their toilet seat was on fire. And I mean fire like licking the ceiling fire. Oh, I don't wow. know how a plastic toilet seat catches on fire or at, the, at that time I didn't. I do now. Um, and I, I was just like, this is – and I, I just stood there and I looked at it. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. How weird is this? Toilet seats on fire. So I calmly walked down the stairs through the smoke, you know, 
had my shirt over my nose to try and block some of the smoke. Went and found the um, the fire extinguisher in the linen room. Walked back upstairs, not running, not freaking out, just like, okay, this is what I have to do. Like, the clarity was amazing. And I walked up there, and I hit it with the fire extinguisher and put it out. And I walked back outside, and my wife is scared, and my kids are scared, and they're freaking out. I said, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Have you called the fire department yet? She's like, yes, I called them. They're on their way. So they get there, and they decided there's about 18 fire departments within a five-mile radius of us. So they were making it a training moment for everyone. Right. Shout out to Tom. Right? So I'm like, okay, there were literally five fire trucks lined our block because they were making the whole thing a training moment. And so all these, all these firemen, man, God bless the firemen, uh, went upstairs, they checked it out and they came back and reported to me that there was a, a small electrical fire in the attic and it was burning the insulation and insulation doesn't burn. So it just smolders and it mm. fell through the ventilation grate right above the toilet. And that's what caught it on fire. Oh. And then so I had to watch for pretty much two hours as different crews of firemen were sent into the house, dirty and gross, oh, just man. destroying everything, kind of going through training motions of what had happened. Sure. But for me, it was the most Zen moment in the world. And after about an hour, I said, okay wife kids you need to go find a place to stay go find you know and she's uh, she was really smart about it she went and found she knew right away we're not going back in this house so she went and found the, one of those long-term stay places and she went off to uh, the woodlands to to hang out and do that and get the kids settled down and get to bed while i stood there for another hour and just kind of watched these firemen train and do their things and then there was conversation and education occurring so i'm listening to that i'm like okay I can learn something. Maybe I can be a fireman, but not. Yeah, that that's that's the type of thing that you're talking about that rarely for me has happened, but but certainly happened on that night where I had that clarity in the moment. Yeah, it's it's something it's something else when stuff like that happens. And, you know, it could be memory burn or or not. But, you know, in in your mind, you may have been walking at a you know, very steady pace, very dude like. Um, but you know, the, the wall might tell a different story or that, that trinket. (laughs) Speaking of the dude thoughts and prayers to the dude who has lymphoma. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there and Jeff Bridges, American treasure. I'll just, I'll just stop, stop that right there. But I just had to throw that out there, man. I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, anyway, perceptions and all that. And so tonight, before we started the podcast, I was watching an old movie that I probably haven't watched since I don't know when. And I don't think I've ever watched this movie on uh, a commercial-free basis. So every time I caught this movie, it was on TV where I had to watch it through commercials and sit through all that. But it was My Blue Heaven. Oh, yeah. And what I learned after watching the movie, I, I think I want to I, I want to say I finished about 90 percent of it and got to, to the point where uh, they were building the uh, the kids or they were redoing the kids ballpark. But I didn't realize 
that uh, Steve Martin in the the character that he portrayed was in fact a highly educated social engineer. Um, you know, you go back and you kind of think of think of different characters and different perspectives, but he whenever he was being questioned, he came up with things on the fly. Granted, he was portraying a criminal, um, and that was, you know, part of the shtick, but at the same time, too, you know, he would, uh, you know, clip the the guy that was serving him food, or he would clip, you know, a band member and ask him to do a favor, and they would look at their palm and, oh, God, this guy just dropped a 50 on me. Or, you know, this guy just dropped a 100 on me. Hello, hello, new friend. Um, or, you know, if he was trying to convince somebody of doing something, he would start with the story and just start telling these stories to get, you know, the feeling of uh, sorrow from whoever it was, his his uh, audience. And then they would kind of, okay, well, you're Buy probably in. a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And so, man... I, I I really I gotta watch it again because uh, the reason I watched it and I picked it is because I'm gonna go on this this kick over the next month to try and find every Rick Moranis movie because old boy got punched a while back and that brought up you know Rick Moranis and most of the movies that I remember him from he was this small just not necessarily losery guy, but always being picked on kind of guy, right? I want to see if I can find a movie where he's this badass that... Wouldn't it be... Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if Rick Moranis was like uh, the head of a a mafia gang, you know, and you you got to see that side of Rick where he's unapologetic and uh, he's like, yeah, uh, I need you to go over here and uh, I need you to... I need you to take care of a problem for me. Well, even let, let's go beyond that. Let's think of in terms of today, right? Let's say if um, if uh, Rick Moranis was a Liam Neeson from Taken, <laughs> you know, or a Jason Bourne, could you see him in no. that light? Wouldn't no. that be amazing, though, if he could take his acting chops and turn it into a, a Keanu where he spent 73 hours training in you know two weeks to be a an amazing marksman and a you know learn how to drift a 78 camaro through oil while it's on fire right i think i think uh the the role that rick moranis would be really cool at is like the silent assassin he's been hired and he's the uh he's the uh, antagonist of the story. You've like got your usual pro- suspects style. No more like, movie? yeah. yeah um, amazing. I mean, we could sit here and if we, you wanted to rewind here in a minute and talk about usual suspects, we can do that for a while, but let's say, so remember the first Jason Bourne and, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was, he was being chased down by another, um, uh, operator, if you yes. will. And then he had to kind of face him in a in a little field in Germany or wherever it was. Like, I think Rick Moranis could be that guy. Like, that guy that's the fixer. They call him in when everything has gone wrong and they need to take out the uh, the protagonist. And he's, he's they're hunting each other through a field. 
Rick Moranis would be really cool in that role. So, and was he the kid that was in like a nightclub in the middle of the day and they, you know, they called his cell no. phone? No, it was, it was the other guy. guy. The other guy. He was in, um, God, what's the name of it? Field of God. Something that was like almost act seemed like a one take through the entire movie. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a British guy. They they had him pegged as a 007 there for a while um, until Daniel Craig got it. I cannot remember his name. I can see his face, though. He's been mm. in tons of movies in the past 10, 15 so years. So what you're saying is Rick Moranis, in portraying someone of that nature, would get killed on the first call. Because Jason no, Bourne no, no. did this, this the wasn't work. This guy's this guy wasn't. This wasn't his. This guy's first call. He was a seasoned vet. Well, well, I'm saying like he was the the first call in that they called this guy up to take care of Jason Bourne, and he right. he got he got dealt. He got um, dealt. Yeah. Well, you know. the the bad guy has to get dealt, or else you know it's not a Hollywood movie. So I mean, I I would say maybe Rick Moran. I would like to see Rick Moranis as like maybe the third guy. You know, like, okay, uh, Junior couldn't handle it. You know, uh, the next guy that's got 20 years on him couldn't handle it. And then uh, I just watched uh, that movie uh, Red not too long ago. Right, yeah, Red, Gross Point Blank, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the guy that is now working for the CIA that has to go down and hunt, you know, oh, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Harrison Ford? No. No. Uh, 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 Willis. Uh, yeah, Bruce Willis. So the guy that has to hunt down Bruce Willis, uh, he was also in Star Trek too, right? Uh, not he, Bruce Willis. No, not Bruce Willis. Oh, the other guy. Uh, yeah, the other guy. Yeah. Maybe. Um, he was. A, he. You know, granted, it was a movie and it was all you know uh, rehearsed and everything, but the fight scene in that movie was pretty good. Um, you know, getting beat up by Bruce Willis while holding your own—that's that's pretty good. That's a but, man. You know, he would be the second guy, and then the third guy would be Rick Moranis, and he would pull out the "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" IQ level <laughs> to where he has these gadgets where he's like, you know, doing them in, getting really close, but you know, ultimately, I guess he would fail. How disappointing would it be, like, to meet? some action star or movie star that you admire and all you've really seen is a fake version of them, right? <clears throat> you've seen different fake versions of them. They're portraying someone else. And then you meet them and you go, Oh wow, this guy's really not very cool. Like I, that's why Jean, Jean Claude. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't want to meet my, my acting heroes or my, or my rock star heroes. Cause I'm afraid that, once I did, it would spoil the whole thing. I'd be like, "Oh man, you're." Would it though, dick. or would it would it just be like? Because I, you know, I've I've spent some time, and I think we talked about that with Joseph too. You know, thinking about what what kind of shenanigans could you get into if you hung out with somebody, and um, you know, like I think. Sometimes I think that those people, you know, what we see of them whenever the media catches them or the movie, you know, the actors that they're the, the characters that they're portraying, of course, they have to turn it on. They have to get into character. But, 
Right. You know, they're just they're just you, me, and everybody when they get home. They take their shoes off. They go take a shit. You know, they're they're watching the news or they're watching reruns of Just Shoot Me. You know, they don't want anybody how, to bother how, them. How many of them have created a persona just for the media? It's like, oh, okay, sure, all I'm not really media. cool enough um, to 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 garner all this fame and attention. So I'm going to take an amalgamation of some of the cool characters I've played and I'm just going to slip into that role. I mean, really like that's, I would imagine that that happens to people too. Right. Cause you know, we put on a hat whenever we go to work. Yeah. Um, you know, we put a hat on whenever we get home. And, that's know. right. When I go to work, I put a hat on as a smart guy in it. Yeah. And, uh, I think all of our listeners can agree. That's, probably the last thing you would expect (laughs) especially if they actually had any interaction with you they would just be like what how does how does anybody hang out with this guy i had i had uh i had to take care of a uh of an md the other day try and solve a problem on an android phone which i hate dealing with android phones with a passion uh, because all of our apps are not really made for Android. They're ported over from iOS to Android, which makes it even worse. And by the end of it, she was like, oh, you're just so smart. And I was like, no, I don't think you saw this interaction the way I did. <laughs> you know, and I had to tell somebody once upon a time too, like whenever you're interacting, like they were dumbfounded at how – doctors and nurses could not use simple technology like an iPad or an iPhone or it is crazy. Even, their, that is crazy. even the computer. But I'm like, look, these people spend hours thinking about what could go wrong with the human body. When that's all you think about, when you think about one particular subject and you have to go so far in depth down to like you know, sometimes the molecular level and even looking at images, x-rays, whatever, right? They're looking at blood. They're looking at stool samples, urine samples. They're looking at the chemistry behind all that. And then you ask them, hey, what's wrong with this printer? They just look at you like, the fuck? You know, I just I just right. walked a guy through his last treatment of chemo and you want me to mess with this printer because it has a red light? You do that, you I, know. <laughs> I've not got time for that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, once you put it into perspective, certain people have have their skills. Our skills just happen to be IT. Our skills, uh, our curiosity drove us to be in IT. Our our love of solving puzzles and problems at least for me anyway i don't want to speak for anybody else but that's that's what i love and you know now that i'm in a a different level of support it's still in it i'm slowly learning how to solve the human puzzle because I'm working with sales folks and I'm working with um, directors and managers and executives that they they need bird's eye view of a problem. They don't want to know all the ones and zeros of how to fix it. They just want to know that it's going to get fixed and like a real quick 
this is what I got to do. This is who I got to talk to. And this is when it's going to get done. And it's, it's, uh, it's shining a different light on IT. I still do IT. I still help out with technology. I still solve problems. But now one of the things that I also get to work on is how to I how do I extract data from this person that's asking me to do something? What is it that they're really asking me to do now? So I think that's like another evolution in IT uh, for me anyway. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I feel the same way in my role and I'm I'm with you one. I think what attracted me to IT, surprisingly, I, I didn't realize it uh, through the first portion of the years I was in IT, but it was the success of, of troubleshooting. It was the detective work that you had to do to resolve an issue and, and cut, peel away the layers of the onion to figure out what's really going on here. And a lot of times it requires an unwilling um, cooperation from the person that's asking you to do the thing that they want you to do. Right. Right. And you right. got to dra- you got to drag it out of them. And I'm going to throw this out here. Um, the thing um, <clears throat> for our listeners, Frank is a, a, a renaissance man. Frank, uh, Frank's in IT. He has a sharp mind. He has a great wit. Um, he fixes cars. He can craft woodwork. He's a handyman for the house. He knows how to cook. Um I don't know that there's very much Frank can't do other than the things that I can. So the things that I can do, Frank can't. But everything else I can't do, which is most things in life, Frank's like already excelled at. And hmm. then I'll, I'll, I'll also turn it around and give you a backhanded compliment because you got them judgy eyes, brother. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a very funny but ultimately incredibly nasty and disgusting story oh uh, i'm all ears here we go you talk about uh you know thank you for the compliments renaissance and all that i i my curiosity knows damn near no bounds so on that topic uh with all this covid stuff going on and my food allergies i constantly not constantly but i more than not have to go to the restroom and i have to have bowel movements most of the time you know going number two so I was like, um, I heard, you know, some Joe Rogan podcast uh, not long ago, and he was talking about this uh, product. It was a tushy, right? So it's a, uh, a bidet attachment. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, hmm, I can, if if the toilet paper shortage comes back around, I'm covered because now I've got this thing that shoots a, shoots a uh, water stream at your hole. So I'm like, I'm buying this thing, checking it out. So I've had it for about maybe two weeks now. Still getting used to it. It's a frightful feeling the very first time <laughs> it shoots you in the butt. Because I'm like, ah, what is it? No, that's so cold. Stop. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still kind of learning how to regulate the water to where it doesn't sting me. And then also <laughs> to where it just doesn't go everywhere. Dude, I'll and, I'll go get you a water hose. Like I, can I think hook you that's up. what I that's I should have probably just done that, like have an attachment with a water hose and just let it trickle. So anyway, I'm I'm learning, you know, how to pat pad dry, you know, all around um, my balls and stuff like that, because that's what remains the most wet. So I don't know if I got to adjust a little the the stream or whatever. Anyway, so I stand up 
uh, I'm hovering over this thing. I'm stood up and I'm like, you know, I've got my head going towards my knees, leaned forward. And every time you use this thing, right, you're supposed to clean the nozzle. So it's got a directional knob to clean the nozzle. And then you go the opposite direction to shoot the stream to clean yourself. So I'm hunched over, drying off myself. And I'm like, oh, it probably be, it, it would, I would use, I'm being efficient with my time. Let me go ahead and clean the nozzle. So I turn the knob. As I turn the knob, I turn the knob the wrong way and the freaking thing <laughs> shoots me right in the face. <laughs> and I start yelling something awful, like, Gah! like I was so mad, but it was so funny that I'm just laughing the whole time. And I was oh like, mother Fonsky. Like, oh man, I'm so mad. And my wife is like, are you okay? What happened? What, you know? And I tell her and she's like, oh, like she's about to lose her shit. She's laughing at me so hard. She's like, you're the dumbass that bought that thing. That's what you get. <laughs> and I'm like, turn the shower on. Shut up. Turn the shower on. So I jump in the shower and I'm like, I've got the water. I don't know if you remember that um scene from ace ventura where he found out that 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 lady was a man he was like washing himself so i'm like crying washing my face with soap <laughs> like i got like a handful of every soap and i'm washing oh my god and then i tell my wife give me the mouthwash <laughs> so i'm rinsing my mouth out with the mouthwash <laughs> like i i'm mouthwash and then water and then mouthwash and then water <laughs> And my mouth is like on fire because I've got hot water after this, you know, after having the alcohol uh, mouthwash clean my mouth. I'm like, ah, just, just like drank some orange oh juice afterwards God. and made it a trifecta, man. I should have done. Oh, man. It was just so if you're thinking about buying a bidet or a bidet attachment, just know that crouching over and and being efficient with your time is not a good idea because you might shoot yourself in the face with the uh, the water spray there. A, I want to say that um, I appreciate your <laughs> candor. Two, um, two um, every time you tell me a story uh, that involves your wife telling you you're a dumbass. I like her more than, than you. And, um, uh, see, that's amazing. I can't believe you even had that experience. You just made me feel like the smartest man on the planet. Yeah. So I, I just had to throw that out there. Cause I'm, I am, your perception of me is wonderful and I, I appreciate that, but I'm nowhere near anything. I just try and I fail a lot and I get back up and I try to learn some more. Uh, so <laughs> my, uh, my appearance of, uh, or my perception of being smart or being knowing these things, I've got several scars on my hands where I tried to learn how to do something and it went really bad. So, <laughs> well, it's just a, you know, Knowing your background and the way you were raised in the family environment you were raised in, it's shocking to me that you came out intelligent. Like, there's no way that that you shouldn't just be digging ditches. You know, it's really not because um, uh, what movie was I watching the other day where it just like it was an epiphany um, to that to where. Oh, oh, no, I was watching uh, Young Sheldon. 
right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It's about I the, I, I tried once. I can't I can't get into so it. So there was an episode where he, you know he has a twin sister. They took him to go be assessed at some college, and the little girl, her emotional intelligence was through the roof, and. You know, of course, Sheldon guy, his as a boy, his intelligence, his his, uh, you know, book knowledge and things like that are are off the charts. But anyway, they asked her, you know, why do you think you can see these things? Right. Because they were showing her pictures and she was able to uh, dissect what was going on in the picture. And she was like, well. You know, my mom and dad really pay more attention to Sheldon than they pay attention to me. So I kind of feel alone. And in order for me to make things happen, I have to watch things more carefully than most. And so for me, you know, um, my dad had a temper when I lived with him. You know, my uncle did as well. And you... For me, I, you know, they never beat me or anything like that. But <clears throat> if you caught them on the wrong day, you know, you'd get yelled at something awful. And it was just, it never felt good. So I was always watching for these cues, you know, definitely in the face, body language. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I wasn't going to get in trouble or I wasn't going to get hit. Um, so, you know, learning all of that. And then, you know, my uncle did you know, he had life lessons for me. He would, he would take some time to coach, um, and, and tell me what I did wrong after he, you know, spanked me or, you know, whatever. And so I think, you know, over, over that time, I, I developed that. Now, um, you know, I moved out of my, uh, I moved out of my dad's house when I was, I think I was 16, where I was like no longer depending on, uh, parental figures for things, money, groceries, anything like that. So it was like, Hey, you either do it or you, you, you've got to come crawling to somebody to ask for help. And I've asked for help before, but it was never because I didn't try. Um, it was, you know, it was either get it done or you don't. And that's kind of my curiosity, right? It's, it's, I'm going to satisfy that curiosity so I can figure it out. Um, and if I can't, you know, it, uh, I'll have to come back to it so that I can, cause man, when I get stuck on something like I'll, I'll bite my cheek, I'll bite a hole through my cheek to figure it out. Just sitting there thinking about it. Um, not that I've literally ever done that, but just, um, that's how much time I will spend on it and just, just to try to go there. So for me, it was either spend all this time blaming everybody for, you know, what they may or may not have done to me or the situation I was in or um, move forward and try to be an evolution for my kids and the people around me. Because the, the, the biggest thing in life for me that I enjoy the absolute most is being able to help other people um, find or recognize what their purpose might be. Um, motivating people to do just a little bit more than they did yesterday, that brings so much joy, uh, to my day. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm for that. Um, i I've had, I had some experiences in past jobs where I had to be a, 
a teacher or a mentor. And, and that does feel good to be able to give that back. Um, but as far as figuring things out and trying to, to get it done, I'm a path of least resistance kind of guy. If, uh, I, if I've considered a problem for quite a while and I still haven't solved it, then I'm going to be like water around the rock in the river. I'm just going to flow around that bad boy and try and leave it in its dust because obviously the problem is too big for me. And I'm going to let, I'm going to let the guy upstairs take care of that problem and keep trucking. Hmm. But I'm also lazy and a procrastinator. I mean, so am I sometimes. Uh, my, I haven't cut my yard in two weeks. I don't know if it's because of the kidney stone or just me being lazy, but like, I don't want to go out there and do it. No, I get that. I, I timed the, the trimming of my yard perfectly, um, cutting both the front and the back, uh, a week or two ago. And now it's gotten cool in, uh, here in Houston. And so during the summer, for those of y'all that don't live in Houston, you have to cut your grass every week. Probably. Or it's or yeah. it's uh, <laughs> ankle high, knee high. Um, after three weeks, it's knee high because it's so oh, yeah. humid down here. It's uh, a little bit of a tropical, humid area as as far as Texas goes. Uh, but we have uh, the temperatures have dropped a little bit. We've gotten a little less rain, and even with the rain we have gotten, the the grass hasn't grown as much. So we're finally in that part of the year where you really only have to cut the grass every about every three weeks. So I timed it perfectly. I haven't cut the grass in two weeks, and I don't think I'm even going to need to cut it next week. Mm. Mm. I just keep filling up that hummingbird feeder. I put out a hummingbird feeder about a month ago. Oh. And um, and I love hummingbirds, and I think I read somewhere they eat mosquitoes or something. So I'm like, let's do that, because mosquitoes in, in Houston are – just abysmal yeah right they'll, they'll carry you away if you're not careful they will so um i i went and bought one of these red bottles of your hummingbird feeder stuff and i didn't read any instructions on the bottle i was like <laughs> let me just pour this into my feeder hang my feeder on one of these things you know one of these i don't remember what it's called the little metal poles that come out of the ground it's got a little star on it you know and it's got a hook and um so i just filled that bad boy up and within a week, I was having, like, just tons of hummingbirds fighting over this food. I was like, wow, there must not be very many people around here that have thrown up hummingbird feeders because they're just tagging this thing all day long. Even the dirt dauber um, uh, wasps are hitting it, right? Oh, wow. I'm like, I didn't realize Just sugar wasps. water? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. So after a couple of weeks... Um, I was informed that you're supposed to mix it with water. Oh, dang. It's, it's supposed to be like a, it's supposed to Just be like all a, those hummingbirds diabetes. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a two to four ratio. Oh, and I'm my just goodness. filling the whole thing up with this crack cocaine for hummingbirds. Oh, my God. So no wonder I had like every hummingbird within a 10 mile radius hitting my hummingbird feeder. So now I've been dosing it down because, yeah, I don't want to give them diabetes. I don't want to give them a crack habit. I like hummingbirds. They start tapping on your window. Well, I I realized something was weird because when I went out to fill it up, because they they juice it out in about a week. When I went out to fill it up, two hummingbirds dive-bombed me. Now, I don't think hummingbirds are aggressive. No. Um, that's yeah. not the that's not the kind of the vibe I get from them. But they they dive bomb me. They were like, "You ain't messing with my food." 
That's wow. my crack cocaine, and I will tear you up. And one of them uh, dive bobbed me so so close, I felt his. I felt something on my head, like I I think I felt the wings, like clip my ears. That's how close it got. Oh my god! I was like, oh my god! And that's when I looked at the instructions, and I was like, oh, you're not supposed to fill the whole thing with this. <laughs> you're supposed to <laughs> add water. Wow, you're gonna have to wear a sombrero next time. So if they dive bomb you, they'll get right. stuck in that in the sides. And that's how I live my life. I basically just do the wrong thing at first uh, until I, you know, have some repercussions, and then I read the instructions. RTFM can't go wrong all day. <laughs> just, I'm a uh, walking IDT ten. Oh my god! Uh, the other day, speaking of. Uh, I was talking to my cousin on Twitter and, you know, he was like, uh, he, he had a, a color commentator that was commentating on the Astros game when, um, Correa had hit a home run. I think it was like the walk-off home run oh, and it was moment. just like the Spanish commentator was just like announcing it like it was soccer. You know, he's just going crazy. And I was like, man, wouldn't that be wild? And I don't know if it would be accepted, but wouldn't that be wild if we had color commentators like that, that did what they do for, you know, uh, Spanish speakers that we could have for English speakers. And I was like, you know, you know who I would love to hear. I would want to hear Wesley Snipes as Willie Mays Hayes, along with Charlie Sheen acting as the um, the wow, wild man. thing, and then Cheech Marin from Tin Cup, <laughs> you know, in one booth announcing. I don't care what sport is: football, soccer, baseball, oh, rugby, cricket, what golf. You know, whatever. But to just imagining the characters and the banter that would go on, you know. Uh, you, just, you just listed three incredible sports movies just off the top of your head. That's that's some chops right there. One of the things I thought about earlier today, and I think we've thought about, I think we've mentioned it before, talking about what's your favorite sports movie. And I don't remember what yours is. It was, uh, Major League was up there, and so was... Um, uh, 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 man, what is the name of it? With Tom Selleck, where he plays in Japan. Um, really, Mr. The, Baseball. The oh, Mr. Baseball. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Baseball. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Field of Dreams guy. I'm a Happy Gilmore guy. Okay, love, yeah. Love yeah. me some Happy Gilmore. Um, a little bit of uh, you eat turds for breakfast. Yeah, that was that was a good <laughs> moment. I'm I'm a big Moneyball fan. Um, oh man, I you love know, that movie. What is it? What is it about Moneyball that you like? So, Let's talk about that real quick. Cause so I, wa- yes. I watched it again recently. I, I, I've watched it pretty much every year since it came out. A, a I think it's one of the truest down-to-earth kind of uh, characters that old Bradley Pitt has played. I liked uh, – what's the what's the kid's name? Jonah Hill mm-hmm. was, was really good in it. I think he proved his acting chops right there and leveled up. But it was a lot of there was a lot of humanity in it. There was a lot of human connection. There was a lot of um, it wasn't just about baseball. It wasn't just about a sport. But it was about the psychology of the sport, the mathematics of the sport, the fact that they were doing something that was new and inventive and changing the yes. game, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, but 
whoever wrote it, I don't know if it was Sorkin or whatever, but the dialogue was spot on. Like when uh, Chris Pratt was asked, you know, he, he, he originally had been a pitcher and he had messed up his shoulder and they were like, yeah, we don't want to hire you as a pitcher. We want to hire you for first base. And he was terrified because he had never played first base. And I don't remember the player that that was because I really didn't pay attention to baseball at the time. But at one point, one of the other uh, players asked him, you know, what's your biggest fear? He said that the ball will be hit in my general direction. Mm -hmm. And that's that's my favorite part of the whole movie because Pratt delivered it just spot on. I thought it was great. Uh, The the whole movie is great from beginning to end the relationship with Brad Pitt and his daughter. You know, all that was cool. Yeah, so that was uh, you. You hit the nail on the head for me too. My takeaway was that there was these this group of people that was going to try something just to try to see if it was possible, and to you know ultimately he failed in a sense that he didn't make it to the World Series, but he made it to a point that proved the concept and being able to go in and do something like that uh man that takes a lot of courage you know right i mean people don't do that every day billy bean there i mean he he changed the way baseball is played and he changed the way basketball is put together i mean before that basketball didn't look at analytics yeah right baseball didn't look at analytics it just wasn't they went on gut feeling you know it was a it was a a boys club kind of deal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he changed two sports in one season. Oh, I'm sure every. I mean, um, I forgot what what I was listening to, but um, they were talking about how there are now statisticians in every single sport out there. You know, they have them on the payroll, and they're getting paid bucks, right? So all these, you know, all these people that are out there doing math, you know, you're in the math club when you're in sixth grade. Hey, hey, brother, it's gonna pay off later on if you could stick with it. it. Will. Hey, later maybe you can go work at Wrigleyville, the coolest go. freaking stadium in the universe. You know, guys and gals, right? Because it's a numbers right. thing. It's not your athleticism. It's what you can do, how you manipulate numbers, and how you can find that data. So right. it's 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 free market for everybody. That's right. So here's the, the bad news, because, you know, I can talk to you for hours on end and be entertained. But, A, I got a jam. I got a, I got a book. I got work in the morning. And also, I'm about to float out of here. I got to go... Uh, see a dog uh horse about a man or something see a man about a horse yeah see a man about a that's when you gotta go poop well i don't know what what the right nomenclature is for having to take a leak i was just gonna kind of put that up there oh okay well it was fun man and once again you know hopefully i can get roel on the show i gotta see if i could schedule it with him and then we'll go from there Sounds dope, man. We'll Thanks hit it up for next hanging week. out. See ya, everybody. Have a good night. Word. <laughs>